pretend zero and we're live awesome welcome to this episode of fitness unfiltered today you may see if you're watching on youtube we have scott batty with us he is the author of 101 ways to lose weight and never find it again thank you very much for coming on the podcast scott and would you introduce yourself and tell us about the book Thanks, Emma and Mike. Well, first off, I'm offended that you didn't introduce me as your friend. Just the author, as if I'm just some random... Well, I thought friend. that would give you more, like, prestige. Now you're an author. No, no, A best-selling author. You have to call everyone my good friend. Otherwise, it sounds like you don't even follow them on Instagram. Just yeah, saying. I always wondered. Sometimes when I listen to podcasts and everybody's like, my good friend, I'm like, you don't, you've never met this person. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to say, Scott and I have actually met in real life. Yeah, I've several times. Like eight years, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Long time. Anyway, I'll give you the intro. Uh, for people who don't know me, I would say I'm a sports nutritionist by trade. I've got a master's in sports nutrition. Uh, I'm predominantly a weight loss coach now. I host a podcast. I cook high-protein recipes. And I'm trying to remove BS from the fitness industry, much like you guys and make it really easy for people to improve their health and fitness and yeah without getting confused by all the misinformation and garbage there is out there which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit more detail. Yeah so we want to speak today mostly about fitness fads and I wanted to touch on ways that you can sort of tell if something's a bit of a fad. Yeah. Is there any for you, both of you can can give your points across, like red lights when you see something, you're like, oh, okay. Because I know for me, one of the, I guess one of the maybe less obvious ones, but still pretty obvious is when um, a weight loss diet or some shake fad says you can lose a specific amount of weight without ever knowing who you are or how much weight you've got to lose or anything about you, you can lose 10 pounds in a week or whatever the claim is. So is there anything for you that sort of screams like red light when you're looking at diets? Yeah, I like that one. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That's yeah. uh, pretty much what you said. Uh, if it's endorsed by a celebrity, I'd probably start raising some eyebrows. Not always, but if most of the time. Um, if it's sold by your neighbor, Karen, and she makes a commission when you buy it, that's probably also a warning light. Uh, if it's predominantly supplement-based, as well is another one to be cautious of if it uh bans a load of foods and if it doesn't actually explain how you lose weight so if it doesn't mention the words calorie deficit or if it doesn't even talk about calories let's clarify you don't have to count calories to lose weight but trying to say that it's not about calories it's about the hormones is completely misleading and, and incorrect so yeah just be skeptical if it sounds yeah too good to be true it probably is that's the big one Mike. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've always struggled a little bit to, to kind of to tell the difference. And I think a lot of a lot of the time, um, what's happened, I think, more recently as well, is it because all the faddy sort of diets that have taken off so much and have been such good business? I think a lot of the people who are selling um, actual decent quality, you know, online coaching and nutrition coaching and things like that, have kind of resorted to a lot of marketing techniques that kind of almost make their diets look quite similar to those sorts of diets. 
Um, and I think sometimes it can actually be genuinely difficult. I often, you know, I, I have um, a lot of people that I know who offer things like online coaching and coaching packages and transformation packages. And sometimes I look at their marketing and I think if I was brand new kind of five years ago, um, I, I, I might have actually thought that this was rubbish because it does actually look like it works. And because I think you can really easily get into the mentality that anything anything that works has to be really difficult and like nothing can work because everything that you've tried has been rubbish and has been faddy and, and you know, you can't stick to it and all of that kind of stuff. When actually, when, when you do see a lot of these, these things, they look like that they might be faddy, but actually in reality, they are just people focusing on, on a calorie deficit. Yeah, which is exactly why I kind of want to touch on this because it is hard to tell now. And actually, as a coach on the other side, it's quite hard to market yourself in a way that, you know, is attractable, attractive to people to do, yet not be, you know, seen as a bit faddy. So, like, you know, transformation pictures are a bit faddy, you know, and if you're like, oh, this is what you can do in six weeks, yeah, that's what that person has done. If it's really good transformation, probably means that, yeah in six weeks they did over restrict and Mm -hmm. is that sustainable possibly not like do we know what they did after that was there a plan for maintenance all these questions like you don't know and it can come across as a bit of a fad diet um so it it is like a hard line to cross but i would say the things that scott's saying like if you're wondering like is this coach or program a fad diet like can they explain why they're doing what they're doing are they open to your questions and discussion or are they like well this is what we do you know, and are they happy to say, yeah, do you know what, like, working with so-and-so or so-and-so or doing X diet would work for you, I think, you know, my program is better because X, Y, and Z, but all these things will work and here's why they work and just being a bit more open-minded about it, you can sort of tell, okay, actually, this person knows what they're speaking about, they're not trying to just take all my money, you know, they care about long-term health as well, so it, yeah, it, it can be hard to sell, especially from the outside, and the biggest problem is people that sound like they know what they're talking about to, you know, for, for the general layperson. I mean, I, I remember I've told this story before, but, um, you know, when I was when I was like in, in the early days of kind of my weight loss, I remember being on a diet that cut out wheat, sugar and dairy. And I said to the, the, the person who was who was kind of in charge of it, what, what you know, why? Why am I doing that? Why should why can't I have any any wheat? Oh, well, you see, because of evolution, humans aren't really evolved to um, to digest it. So, you know, we we just don't digest it very well. So actually, you end up putting more weight, you end up with more bloating, you end up more hungry. So there's all these different mechanisms by which wheat actually is responsible for making you put on weight. So if you cut it out, you're much more likely to lose weight. I am a doctor. I am a qualified doctor. I have done several degrees. Um, I am like supposed to be intelligent, and I was like, "All oh, right, okay, I'll do that then." Yeah, and then it, it, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Same, the same is true for the insulin <laughs> hypothesis. Like on paper, it does make sense. Yeah. That's not how it works, but it tells a very good story, yeah. and you can claim that you know it is true. Insulin makes you store nutrients, and then when so you when you away, exactly. And then when you lose weight by doing that, because usually you are a massive bread lover and cannot control the amount of bread you eat when you eat bread, you then go, oh, look, it's true, science. 
yeah. then you start telling other people and but and it's not and I think a lot of the people who who peddle this stuff they're not doing it because they you know they don't know it's not true they don't know that you know that they're convinced by what they've seen and they're like well I've just done this it just worked so of course it's correct um and that I think that's that's what's so hard is like I think if you were if you were battling against people who were just mean and selfish and just wanted to make loads of money and pretend that they had stuff that worked that doesn't then it would be very straightforward but I think in reality because people are so passionate about it and they genuinely believe in in a lot of these fads then I've had I've had conversations with with Herbalife reps people who I know who genuinely believe in the product and believe in the stuff because they've seen such results from how it's helped them Um, and you can't you can't argue with it because actually there's nothing that they're saying is untrue it's just not it's just correlation rather than causation so anyway I'm, i've got yeah, a, I'm a question i've got follow-up on what you said mike about asking those reps but i want to share an insulin story with you guys which is exactly along the lines of what we talked about i remember when i was indoctrinated by the paleo diet so this would have been 2011 before i knew any better sitting around the dinner table with my family and telling them that you shouldn't be eating carbohydrates because Paleolithic man wasn't used to the big surge in insulin that came as a result. And then my mom said, well, why is that bad? And I remember I didn't, at the time, I didn't know the physiology behind it. I was just repeating what I read in the books and podcasts. And I was like, well, it just is. <laughs> I, did the same. Going, I thought it was being clever talking about insulin, but again, mm. I didn't actually know what I was talking about. But what you said... Yeah, Mike, about the, the the reps fully believing in their product. I'm always interested when you see these outlandish claims somewhere, um, whether it's what some shake diet or the carnivore diet or anything that us three go, oh, my God, how can you honestly think that is sustainable? Now, do these people or what's the percentage, do you think, of the people promoting these diets who either actually believe that it's legitimate and it is the the elixir of health or do they know it's a crock of shit but they're just doing it because it makes them money what do you think that percentage is i'd like to believe that that actually a lot of people believe in it because i think i think it's not hard to believe in it and i I, i'm talking specifically about a good friend of mine who um who i i got invited on facebook to a, a herbalife party by a really good friend of mine, somebody that who, who like the worst part in the world. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> well, it's it's some it's actually somebody who's a really close friend of mine who I I absolutely adore this person. She's an, an amazing, amazing human being, um, and I've I've known her for a really long time, and I I know that she would never do anything that was you know that that was just kind of for money or something like that. So I kind of I I, I messaged her and said, um, you know like. I've been doing a lot of reading and research in nutrition recently and I um I've I've learned a lot about Herbalife and about the business practices and about the um the stuff you know do you, do you like I so I'm completely happy to keep my mouth shut about this but if it's something that you want to have a chat about just let me know because I kind of thought I can't not say anything but and so and we met up and had a chat and it was funny because the stuff that she said to me about Herbalife was exactly the stuff that I say to other people about about my gym and about the community that I've had from my gym and the results I've had from my gym. And you can kind of apply the same logic. You don't need my gym to lose weight. You don't need an expensive gym membership, etc., etc. But I have found that that has set me on the right path by giving me parameters and, 
you know she was saying how she would she had a, a very mobile job so she would previously have just had like a bag of Haribo in her car and that's what she just would have nibbled on kind of all day and then had a meal in the evening whereas now because of the structure that the the Herbalife diet had given her she was having you know granola in the morning and she was having different kind of fruits and vegetables and and yogurts and all this kind of stuff and she her nutrition had improved she felt better she felt healthier and she kind of recognized that it wasn't specifically the actual product that was doing it but it was the framework that it that it had given her and I was sitting here you know ready to kind of have this really logical discussion about it and I was going well I can't really argue with with what you've said to me me here because it's it clearly has worked for you but um I'm just I, I just don't you know and I I think that's why there's such a huge difference between Joe Bloggs who doesn't have nutrition qualifications or PT qualifications or medical qualifications kind of selling Herbalife and people like PTs pushing it for example you know it, I think I don't know I think that there are some people for sure who know that it's that 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 what they're selling and just as a disclaimer I'm not specifically talking about Herbalife I'm using Herbalife as a generic example what do I else do I have to say legally I don't think Nothing. I don't have any views on Herbalife but um but kind of just in terms of fad diets I don't know I don't know because you know like you were saying Scott we've seen how easy it is for us to pontificate about these things that that have worked for us um and it's only by then realizing that there's more ways more ways to skin cats I mean I I I was just as just the same about paleo except I was like a year or two later so even even less excusable but um we just we do that don't we 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 see something great and we really want our friends and people that we know to benefit from it the way that we've benefited from it and we don't necessarily see the wood for the trees but maybe that's a very idealistic world view and i just want to believe that everyone is is kind and helpful and doesn't want to screw people over but i don't know well i agree in some like first of all about the you know do people know that they're selling something that's you know true or do they believe in it or not like maybe maybe not but I also think if that's your job and that's what you're selling you shouldn't be naive to how it works or how it doesn't work you know there's not really an excuse to be naive to it in my opinion like if you're saying that you're a nutritionist which have life people do that's sort of their title I'm pretty sure then that's your job you should know about it you should be able to discuss it and you should know about nutrition but that side I think what you've made brilliant points about we should really, as coaches and as people trying to help other people lead healthy lifestyles, look at the benefits of these quote-unquote fad diets. Because like the results that people have got on Slimming World, like, is, they've literally changed people's lives. Yet, people are like, oh, Slimming World's stupid, blah, blah, blah. Like, one, that just alienates people. But two, there's huge benefits to what Slimming World do. And then we need to look at what we can take from that. So they provide amazing structure People don't particularly, like, you know, some people don't like counting calories, so they've, ch like, they've changed it a bit, so you're counting points instead, and maybe that's something that we could structure better in our coaching, because it's obviously working for people. There's a huge community support, you know, they get all this stuff. What are they doing well that's getting results? And yes, there are problems with it, but can we take those problems out, use the structure that they've created, show, you know, they've got these results. Why are they getting those results? I think there's a lot we can learn from you know, Herbalife or Slimming World or any Weight Watchers, whatever they are. And I think we, we are too quick to be like, oh, that's a stupid, like, named diet. Oh, it doesn't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. 
people have got amazing results in this. Um, so I think we can learn a lot from that. I think, yeah, your points are totally valid, but I wish that they focused a little bit more on the principles of how these programs work as opposed to the method, because then again, that's going to give you more sustainability. So if you think the reason you lost weight is because you counted sins, then you've been doing something for several years without really understanding how it works. But if you realize you lost weight because the sins equate to calories and you consume fewer calories than you did previously, then that just gives you a very basic toolkit to then go and apply it to any other approach that you will enjoy and that you can stick to. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, my point is... You yeah, can't sell that. that. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying go to something well, but I yeah, am yeah, saying totally. what can we as coaches take from their approach that has got brilliant results and then obviously change a little bit and put into our own practice. It's funny that there's no like calorie deficit world and I think it's just it's just not that exciting yeah exactly and I also wonder if you get like and I wonder if this is a a simple analogy but I wonder if there's like a Tresemme podcast where like people are saying I don't understand why people are using these really expensive like hair products that you don't need to use and that are unnecessary for you to have shiny hair when you could just be like using like normal shampoo um I just I always I always think it's really interesting like when it comes to when it comes to products and kind of integrity and and stuff like that like the fitness world sort of seems to be like although it's one of one of seems to be an arena that's one of the least regulated it seems to be the one that people bring people bring so much passion when it comes to kind of you know having a you know not selling things to people that aren't true etc whereas we sell things to people that aren't true in every other arena and nobody seems to have a problem about it i guess it's because it's health it's health it's people's health so people have you know people think it's more sacred as well i don't really know what my point is with this with this but no, that's, it popped it, into my head we spoke about this before didn't we yeah. but like effectively like you know if you sell a car to someone and you you manage to sort of i don't know get a really good deal like it's way over the asking price you, you're patted on the back like oh you're a great salesman mm-hmm. but if you're selling herbalife you're an ass. I think it's because also you're 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 kind of you're targeting people based on their insecurities rather than based on their their desires. Like so, you know, when you sell people a, a nice car, I suppose that targets their insecurities a little bit as well because they want to drive a flashy even, nice car. But I don't know. Even say it was like a a hair loss product, you know, and it actually does nothing. Hmm. I don't know. People don't see it as the same. It's not. Yeah. Okay. It's a scam. But they. I don't know why, but there's not that, like, you're a bad person for doing that. Mm. It's kind of like, oh, wow, they've made a lot of money from selling something crap. Like, that's kind of impressive. Whereas when it's, like, and maybe it's just because we're so far in the industry and we're, and maybe hairdressers would be like, oh, that's a scam. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. We should listen to some hair podcasts, really. Do some research. Yeah, I don't know if there are any, you know. Maybe um, that's a new niche for us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We could we could go into that. I mean, I'm just looking around at our hair, and I have to say, like we've we've done all right. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask Scott actually a question, if that's okay, about um, about eating like his grandma. <laughs> yeah. So there's a chapter in the book called "Don't Eat Like My Grandma." Um, basically, she's like the Usain Bolt of plate clearing. And um, we honestly, like on Christmas Day, when we were serving the tables, serving people sitting down, 
my granny got served last because if she got it first, she'd be, she'd be done. Um, so it's just become a bit of a running joke in the family that she said, oh, we'll sit down. And I, I looked into this um, because I heard it mentioned by some other coaches saying, you know, slow down the rate that you eat food. And I thought, God, there can't really be anything in this. Surely it doesn't actually make much of a difference. Um, but yeah, there is actually some pretty good research on it. And there are various things you can do, which seemingly sound ridiculous, like increase your chew to swallow ratio. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you want to have 20 bite, uh, twenty chews before you, you swallow the mouthful of food or things like that. Or just simply put your fork down fork and knife down now and again take a little bit of a breather um don't be distracted while you're eating so don't sit and watch in front of the tv because you just wolf the food down you're missing out on hunger cues and so on so yeah there is actually some surprisingly good research on it so that is one of the habits that you could do which again makes you become more mindful and hopefully helps you consume fewer calories is just eat slower so have you done that with your intuitive eating has that been mentioned like well i was gonna say um I, I was. I mean, yeah. You, I think you answered my question because I was going to ask if that was if the evidence was based on like the idea of the mindful eating side of things, or whether it was if, if, if there was anything physiological in terms of like hormonal and fullness and stuff like that. But I think you answered that anyway, and so it's more like the mindfulness, I guess. But it, it's funny because I, um, I went to a talk on mindful eating about a year ago, and and this was kind of so. Scott, I don't know if you you will know this, but I'm basically doing a bit of an intuitive eating experiment at the moment. Um, it's been Christmas. It's not going particularly well. Um, but I'm. How many mince pies the other day? I had seven. But to be honest, I didn't eat all. So this was the. This might have been the the what has helped in terms of. It's kind of it's having that recognition and those that really trying to focus on the the fullness cues. It's changed the times that I've eaten and it's changed certainly how I'm eating because I'm kind of just a, a bit more mindful about it um so I ate the outsides of the minced pies but I didn't eat the middle um so I kind of felt like you know it's a step in the right direction um but I went to this talk on mindful eating and it was fascinating to me because at the time I was deep in tracking and I was like but it doesn't really matter if I feel full or not because I'm stopping when my calories have run out not when my you know when I feel full or not so it's all right. So once the, you know, once I've prepared that amount of food, that's what I'm eating. That's what I've tracked in my fitness pal. So who cares if I chew it a load of times and feel full or put my fork down or whatever? It doesn't really matter. But then actually you, you then realize then when you, when you do try and not track or when I have now tried to not track, it does, you know, it, it is like I sit there thinking, gosh, am I full? Am I hungry? Don't know. Am I eating just because it's one o'clock um, or am I actually, do I want to eat? And then sometimes I just won't eat for ages and then I'll go, but I think I'm really hungry and what, like, what's going on? And actually you you realise that you you almost switch and and that comes back to what you're saying about Slimming World as well, Scott, with, with regards to kind of, you know, you're eating because you because it's sins and it's points and all of that kind of stuff. You're not eating because you know, you're hungry or you're full. And this is what I'm trying to establish with the with my experiment is, have I just got a skewed version of hunger and satiety or do I just not care about hunger and satiety because I really like eating food and I just want to eat regardless of whether I'm hungry? So it's, um, it's to be determined. I, yeah, it's an interesting point as well. And, you know, hunger signals come and go when you don't eat. Yeah. 
if you've ever tried like a 24 hour fast or even a 12 hour <clears> yeah, fast, for sure. at lunchtime you'll get hungry and then don't know, say you were busy and you're like, oh, actually, I'm not really hungry anymore. So, but should you eat again because you've not had lunch yet? Mm. Or, you know, we, we've had a big discussion on intuitive eating on the last podcast, but yeah, there are like certain aspects that you think, you know, what, what this is actually me to Scott, I'd be really interested to know your take on intuitive eating. I would say at the moment I'm an intuitive eater uh, in the sense that I don't track, um, I'm not following a set meal plan and so on, but I think I wouldn't have had the knowledge of food and what's in food and creating balanced meals and regulating my energy based on energy intake, sorry, based on my training had I not had the experience of tracking macros or following meal plans and so on. So I think I can, I, I like the idea of intuitive eating. I think it's fantastic. And I know certain people are, who maybe have obsessive personalities, tracking macros is, is probably a terrible idea. But for some people, it works for them. So I think it's it's another tool that could be very useful for certain people. Um, just like tracking macros is or following a meal plan or, or following habits or whatever. Um, but to say that something like tracking macros, you, you shouldn't follow it or it, it always leads to obsessive behavior, I think that's, again, not correct. I think mm. it's just finding where the person is and, and what they're at. So, yeah, intuitive eating is just an approach that can work really well for people. Um, but some people might not like it. Something that you almost said it there, like you like graduate to, as in, yeah, you say you're intuitive eating now, but I know fine well, if I asked you how many calories you ate yesterday, you could give me a rough estimate of that because you know, okay, maybe not, but like... Well, you know, no, I, yeah, I would because I know that generally I don't gain weight and I know that I need round about 3,000 calories a day to maintain my weight, so I must be eating round about So lucky. <laughs> oh. You need to get one of these for the little step tracker, get... Get the steps up. And, uh, <laughs> you can say yeah, an arm. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess my point is that you, you know, you've got this knowledge behind you. You know what's in food. You, you know, you can estimate like that. Oh, that's a chicken breast. I know how many calories in that. That's X amount of rice is like a usual portion. Whatever you're eating it might not be chicken and rice. It could be a little bit more exciting. But my point is, you kind of know what you're eating, where you're at. Whereas, you know, someone who's first coming into dieting and you tell them to eat intuitively without any structure, you know, maybe you could work on behaviors instead, but it, I think it's it's great to have had the background of macro tracking or at least, you know, weighing out things, even for a couple of days, like, wow, that's an actual portion size. Mm. Like, it still surprises me some things. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's what a portion is. But that's what I think like th 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 this was the point that we made in our intuitive podcast in our intuitive eating podcast was that actually intuitive eating is an intervention like any other nutritional intervention. And actually, if you're doing it under the guidance of a coach and they're teaching you how to, it's not just like kind of you suddenly wake up one day and go, right, I'm trying intuitive eating today. And then you just start, you just do it. I think the whole point is you need some form of structure to it. Like you said, you can't just you can't just go into it um, unstructured. Um, I was also going to ask another question of Scott, if that is okay. Uh, in your ways to lose weight and never find it again, I don't want to kind of obviously give away 
the the ending of the book. <laughs> but what are your what are your what 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 is the focus on never finding it again? What's your kind of long term solution to lifestyle change? Because that's where like where I'm at at the moment is that I've I've kind of I've lost the weight that I've wanted to lose, and now I'm in a position where I want to kind of make it long term. I don't want to put it back on. I want to kind of establish good healthy food habits etc um so what what's kind of your advice there well there isn't actually a the end page uh the whole idea of it does tie into this idea of sustainability so it's 101 habits that will either increase your calorie expenditure or decrease your calorie intake so the a lot of it that i mean there's a whole chapter focused on inclusion and not exclusion uh, which I think is quite important so that people are focused on, you know, what can you actually eat and thinking yeah. about all the extra food you can as opposed to thinking, oh, I can't have chocolate and so on. And again, my message is always, yeah, sort of control what you're eating, don't cut out entire groups of food. So there isn't a chapter that says, you know, habit one, don't eat carbs. Habit two, just eat meat. You know, it's none of this it BS. It's always understand, like we talked about, the the principles of weight loss so it, it comes from a calorie deficit you consume fewer calories than you than you burn throughout the course of the day and you'll lose weight and it's creating ways to do this and also it gives you an understanding why a fat burning pill probably is not going to work or why you don't need to do the keto diet and why we're always telling people to walk more or stand at their desk or take the lift and so on because then once you have this understanding of principles you can then apply different methods Mm. to help you do that and make you in the very first page i think i talk about how you won't be fooled by pseudoscientific fad diets again because you you'll be able to say right what happens here okay it creates a calorie deficit because i'm only drinking coffee and you'll think right hang on this isn't healthy so yeah that that's the plan is to just understand the basics of how you lose weight so that if you say gain weight a little bit in the future you know how to bring it back down again or you just know how like you said Mike to just maintain it and not cut out a lot of things you don't need to and how to be active and the main thing is also doing things you actually like because I think at this time of year um, there's the whole oh I need to start exercising I'll go running well do you actually (laughs) like running no I hate it Well, well, well don't do it and say we always talk about lifting weights and oh it's so good for helping uh, maintain muscle mass and it's you know it's good for strength and power and all this. But if you actually hate the idea of lifting weights or going to a gym, don't do it. Yeah. Um, if you don't like broccoli, don't eat it. Simple. If you don't like fish, don't force yourself to eat it because somebody says you should be eating oily fish three times a week. So I think we need to get out of this idea of doing unpleasant things because it's deemed to be the healthy thing to do i mean healthy is is it's multifaceted and Mm -hmm. i think you can certainly get into amazing shape or good shape or or feel better or just get healthier whatever your goal is by exercising in a way you like and eating things that you like yeah i love Love it it. love it i love yeah i really like the approach that you said at the start as well as less about you know what you can't eat and more about what you can eat like what can I fuel my body with loads of great healthy foods and within my calories maybe rather than I can't eat this this and this and focusing on restriction I think that's definitely a good approach to dieting 
Yeah, because you you understand you need to restrict your calories, otherwise mm-hmm. you won't lose weight. You can't eat more. You can, and people say, "Oh, I'm eating more calories and I'm losing weight." It's like, no, no, you're not. This you're is the war. Food, maybe. Yeah, food is not calories. I um, said that about paleo. I was like, I'm definitely eating more calories, and yeah. I'm losing loads of weight. Look. Yeah. I also took up running that month as well. I didn't really didn't really think about that. Yeah. There we go. Did you like running? No, I didn't. Do you know what I ran? Um, my I ran for two, I ran ran three five k's a week um, for I think nearly a couple of years. Like that was my that was my exercise program for a good while because running and paleo was what worked for me to lose weight. And did it was, you do barefoot? No, I did. I didn't go that far. I didn't go no, that far. Not full on paleo like- running. Actually, no, I didn't. But because I'm so, I, I still am so sold on creature comforts. I just used to do these five Ks on a treadmill, um, and I would, I would try and like, I'd choose like a classic album that I loved to try and you know to listen to while running, and that would kind of try and get me through. Or I'd make a playlist or whatever. But it was so sad because what I did, did not enjoy running, and I just did it for ages. And and it was only when, and it that was on the assumption. Because I'd kind of tried everything except for gym training because I had just assumed that I wouldn't like weight training because it just wasn't really my thing. Um, and I would feel embarrassed to do it in the, you know, in front of other people and all of that kind of stuff. So I just kind of ditched that and just did loads of running. And and everyone was like, oh, yeah, but you get addicted and you'll end up really loving running. I was like, when? Um, because it just never happened. But now, now that I don't do it because I have to, I will occasionally go to kind of park run or something like that. And I, I do enjoy like doing a 5K or something. But um, at the time, it was it, you, when you do stuff because you're forced to. And this is the, it's the same with, with, I think, food exclusion, like you were saying, Scott. Is it the minute somebody tells you you can't have something, that's all you want. Whereas if it's um, if it's inclusive in, in the diet and you can, you're just limiting the amount that you have, it just it makes it makes so much more sense, and that, that was definitely my kind of my revolution when it came to, to dieting was realizing that actually everything works. You just have to choose what your favorite thing is to do, um, and that's probably yeah. The, and you know. I think they're all tools, and I guess Scott's offering a hundred and one different tools to use. That's a lot which, of tools. That's a lot of tools. That's a Some thing. obviously carry more power than others. <laughs> But I guess my point is as well, like you don't have, say low carb works for you for a while, but then you're going to Italy, like, oh, okay, maybe you're going to eat more carbs. Like, mm-hmm. you can use these tools at different times yeah. if you understand why they're working. So yeah. I'm just about to go to Australia, <laughs> literally later today, which will be fun, but I'm probably going to intermittent fast a bit while yeah. I'm because I will have bigger meals with much higher calories in and I'll be eating out every day. So I'll probably skip breakfast most days. Yeah. Or you could, I if you're eating that... out every day, you could follow the two from four restaurant rule, which is one of the ways. Tell me. Tell the me Two this. from four restaurant rule. So your four options, start our main course pudding alcohol and you right. have two from the four. Okay, oh, wow. So simple. That's right? quite cool. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Again, the idea of it is just a simple rule to somehow, re- you know, reduce your intake rather than being like, okay, I have this. We're starting main course in a drink. You just have two of them. 
Yeah. Oh, that's. I sick. love that. And before I forget this, Mike, I know we've kind of moved on, but I'm going to bring it right. It's not my podcast, but here we go. You, <laughs> you mentioned I'm running on a treadmill compared to outside. Did you know that I think the percentage is you burn about 13% more calories running outside compared to a I treadmill? And do you know this the the single main reason for this? Because it's more miserable. Because you're sadder nope. and nope. more wet. No what? Nope. And you're getting cold, then, aren't you? Yeah. No, wind Pop- resistance. Ah. Wow. I, yes, I heard that you have to put the treadmill up to 2.5 to make it similar to running outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, it was, uh, it's due to wind resistance blowing oh, wow. against you. Yeah, mm. but did you have the fan <laughs> in your face? Man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a wind machine. On the treadmill. Just looking the front, at myself yeah. in the mirror while running at the treadmill, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting, actually. That is very, very interesting. Um, I like I've, the two from Four Real. I like that. I'm going to ask one more question about it because we talked about this on our previous podcast and, and there seems to be a kind of a growing trend to kind of rather than saying, well, two from four and, and you know, these, these are kind of methods of, of, of losing weight and about keeping weight off and stuff like that. There seems to be this growing trend to say, guys, don't worry about it. You don't need to lose weight. Have all the food. Yeah, yeah, Scott, so have you, we've spoken about this in the last podcast, but have you noticed this in the fitness industry that's almost like tabooed to say, like to diet now? They're like, do you know what? Love yourself, girl. Like, Yeah, I got this. I did a talk for the, I wasn't British Pharmacological, it was some society, I can't remember who it was, and it was in Edinburgh, and somebody, um, yeah, I got into a bit of a, a, a debate by this person was calling me, you know, I was talking about health and so on. She was like, oh, is it not two-faced because you promote weight loss at the same time? And you're like, what is the second biggest preventable cause of cancer? Anyone? Well, Obese. according to Cancer Research obesity. UK, obesity, there we go. yeah. Right, yeah, <laughs> obesity. So I think it's, I mean, there are countless studies that show that if you are overweight, if you reduce your body fat positive markers of health improve right you're less likely to get diabetes your heart health improves your you mean we could go on for ages so i totally understand why we should stop comparing ourselves to professional fitness models and using physiques on instagram as a sort of a baseline of what's normal because these physiques are just not normal and you do not need to have a six-pack and saying that you know, you should be a size six or whatever is ridiculous and often extremely unhealthy. It's 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 quite ironic because people think six pack equals health, but in order to do it, it's probably not that healthy psychologically or, or physically. But I think telling people that you don't need to lose weight is is also unhealthy um, for the obvious reasons outlined by these thousands and thousands of journals. Yeah, and I think one of the problems is that the people that are most likely to listen to that advice or, or, you know, that resonates with them most are people that have struggled with weight loss in the past and probably do need to lose weight. Whereas, you know, it's it tends to be, what did you say, Mike? Look at what they do, Look at what not, they what, do, they not what they say. Yeah, they Jamie said that, yeah. All five now is like fairly lean individuals being like, don't diet, don't worry about it, you'll, you'll be fine, right? None of you are obese. None mm. of you have these problems. Like, 
you're obviously fine not dieting because you're already lean yeah. and maintain that you don't need to diet other people do need to diet yeah you know, i we... think i can, can one point i want to make on this is um you can if rather than obsessing with weight loss as the goal admittedly okay weight loss is going to be the the big overriding picture of why you're potentially embracing a change of the way you eat and how you exercise but by focusing on again <laughs> i feel like a total arse but i mentioned this in the book um you focus on the process and not the outcome yeah. so yeah. rather than being like oh i lost a pound this week oh no i gained a pound this week oh it's a disaster oh i'll yeah. try and lose two pounds next week focus on what you're actually doing at the time right and and maybe rather than think about weight loss you could say right can i increase the weight i'm lifting in the gym yeah can i how consistent can i be whatever the rule might be how consistent can i be eating vegetables every mean meal how how often in a week can i prepare my meals and probably as a result of this focus your weight will come down mm. without you specifically trying to lose weight you're focusing on developing behaviors and again process and not outcome yeah i think that is brilliant advice and that's definitely one of the main things that that kind of worked for me without without kind of even realizing it as well so it's um I think it's just it's so important for everybody to remember who their audience is and and I think I, I we we spoke a little bit before we started recording about the olden days of, of kind of Twitter and, and sort of fitness advice on Twitter and I remember I used to follow kind of a, a group of people on, on Twitter whose big thing was kind of you know having abs while eating pizza um and so i which was is great if you've got abs you can eat pizza if you you know if you well anyone can eat pizza i'm not saying anyone shouldn't eat pizza but at the end of the day there were these times where i was just like well the, these guys eat eat pizza and still lose weight so i can eat pizza and still lose weight actually at that time it was okay for me to, to not eat so much pizza like I, you know i was i i wasn't just overweight i was incredibly unhealthy and actually i kind of feel like sometimes I think that it's quite a big achievement to have to have lost a lot of weight. And sometimes I feel slightly insulted by all these people saying, oh, you don't need to lose weight. Well, actually, I, I did. And I think it was quite important that I did that. And actually, my life generally is so much better on a, in a lot of ways um, because I've lost weight. Uh, and not necessarily because I've lost weight, but because I've changed those lifestyle factors. But you can't... I think if you are... If you're kind of overweight and underactive... If you do all of those processes, you are going to lose weight. You are going to become leaner. You are going to to probably feel more confident in how you look as well as, as you know, whatever people say, whatever people kind of feel about how happy they are with their size, etc. Um, you do, and, and I'm not saying like to an unhealthy way. So I'm not saying, you know, become underweight. I'm not saying you need to have abs to feel good about yourself. I'm just saying that, I think generally, if you if you are a size that you deem to be um, healthy, you're probably likely to be happier with it as well. Because if you feel that you're not healthy, that's also going to make you unhappy. Even if you have no focus on vanity or any of those other aspects, if you think that you are unhealthy and that you're more likely to, to die younger because of all of these potentially preventable conditions, it's going to make you sad. Yeah, yeah. I think there's... I can totally understand the phrase of, of being anti-diet culture, which is yeah. being used a lot at the moment. And I, yeah, I totally have issues with these six pounds and six days and shakes mm. and pills and potions and this idea of extreme restriction for a short period of time before going back to normal eating. I can, that is something that we, 
need to educate people and hopefully we can move away from. But that is seem to be getting tied into the same message of, oh, you don't actually need to lose weight, yeah. which then can become misleading if people, if, yeah, like, like for everything we just said. So I think it's important to separate the two of saying, yes, there are many health benefits to be had from losing weight healthily and by doing it sustainably. Um, and you can do so without being on a set rigid diet. But I think it is key to, to separate the two. Absolutely. Yeah, I would full, fully agree with that. Um, one thing you touched on, Mike, which I think is always like a good point to touch on, and mainly because it like resonates with me so much, is seeing these people. I'm going to use Scott's example because he just said he needs 3,000 uh, 3, calories to maintain his weight. And you were sort of saying, oh, you know, you'll see so-and-so on Instagram eating a pizza with a six-pack, and you're like, oh, well, then I can do that. Mm. And, uh, you know, that gets completely mis like misinterpreted and it'd be like me watching Scott eat a pizza which probably fits in his calories for the day quite easily he can still have two other meals whereas if I eat a pizza that's like basically all my calories for the full day yeah and that's a huge consequence for what I can eat for the rest of the day if I don't want to put on weight or what I can eat for the rest of the week if I'm smart and like move my calories around but I think just knowing that I don't know like putting just not to compare yourself to some big muscly Instagram man who may have 3,000 calories to play with when you're trying to diet on 2,000. Yeah. And, yeah. I think it's, I remember an issue that I had with this, this, so that I like to wind, you might have seen, you've seen recently how I'm posting about eating butteries and McDonald's and so on, just to try and be the sort of extreme version of, or the complete polarization of clean eating. Um, and I'm not saying, oh, we should all go out and eat McDonald's and, you know, just have six butteries every day and you'll lose weight. But it's just the idea of you can eat these foods and it's trying to make mm. people realize that you, you nothing has to be excluded. But I yeah. can totally see how that can be misinterpreted because I remember, Mike, when you talked about you know, back in the day, so when it was all the if it fits your macros and Pop-Tarts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone was, was eating Pop-Tarts, myself included. Yeah. I would have posted probably meet a photo of me eating a Pop-Tart with my shirt off. And I remember um, someone saying to me, oh, yeah, these Pop-Tarts look great. Should I, how can I start including them in, in my meal plan? And he just perceived it as Pop-Tarts were healthy, and it's something they should yeah. be eating. And when this person <clears throat> probably shouldn't be eating Pop-Tarts because from in terms of energy, you know, the amount of calories coming in, uh, for the, the size on the plate was not a smart food for them to be eating yeah. um, and that's how I think yeah we have to be careful with it and I know myself I am guilty of that sometimes not explaining in depth but then you, you, you struggle I suppose nowadays with social media because you have to post interesting content but mm. if you repeat your same message you know if yeah. you disclaimer disclaimer I'm fully blah 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 folk will get bored of it so it's it is trying to find that balance. It's tricky. It doesn't sound quite as snappy, does it? Well, yeah, this is I it. But get, and I like your point about, you know, you can eat McDonald's, it's not clean eating, and, you know, foods don't have to be quote, quote, clean, and you can include all these foods. But, yeah, like you're saying, it can get, it, and everyone's message can get sort of misconstrued, and it's, it is hard. Like, it's a bit of an art to what you're putting out and then realising who your audience are and is that appropriate. Like, if all your audience are females trying to lose weight that are quite sentry, like putting out eating McDonald's, like they can't do that. 
I think so. also you, you've got to take a bit of responsibility for your for for how you interpret social media as well. So like even when I'm telling that story about about those guys, they didn't know that I was following them and thinking yeah, that it was yeah. all right for me to eat pizza. They were just going about their lives happily, you know, taking selfies and, and documenting their workouts. Because I tell you what, I wasn't copying. I wasn't copying their workouts. <laughs> and that's, you know, it, it's kind of people are selective yeah. in what in what they want to see. And actually, it, it, it was my responsibility that, that, you know, I knew deep down that that wasn't going to help me lose weight. But actually, in reality, I was more concerned with finding an excuse to eat pizza at the time. And I, you know... It, and it's kind of, I, th- I think what that speaks more to is not, yes, people have to remember their audience, but also people have to remember who they are as well. And this is why what Scott was saying earlier about not comparing yourself to these people on Instagram is so important because actually it's more about you being comfortable with what is your own journey and making your own rules and making your own format of how you do things rather than just, you know, just eating a Pop-Tart because someone who has a six pack eats a pop tart i mean i'm sure they do a lot of things that you that you might not want to do as well but it, it, it is true like you see them I don't know, eating a pop tart but then you don't see the fact that they're a pt on their feet all day work mm. from six in the morning till 10 at night train twice a day you know all these things have a lot of muscle mass yeah. probably more than you way more than you have you know, exactly. all these factors that and like that's pretty much the perfect thing you say like oh what i didn't copy was their workouts <laughs> yeah. like yeah, so you just take what you want. Like, oh, eating a pizza looks fun. Yeah. That really long yeah. workout. No, or the so fact fun. they're injecting copious yeah. substances into their body. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no. Hashtag natty. Right. Are we, um, have we covered everything we wanted to? I feel that that, was, that is a good place to, uh, to wrap things up, discussing fake natties. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Scott, tell us where everyone can find you on Facebook, Instagram, about your book, where they can buy it, all of the stuff. Um, well, if you, obviously we, not your podcast. No, I'm joking. And your <laughs> uh, well, we did this at SFN, and you you give me a punch in the arm for it for being big headed, but I just said Google me, and and it's not being big headed. It's because if you type me into Google. You can choose what platform you'd like to follow me on. So Instagram, Facebook, whatever. But yeah, the book obviously is the the cool one. If anybody would like to go and buy that, that would be move you to Epic Legend. And um, so if you just search on Amazon or go into Watchstones or whatever, and it's called 101 Ways to Lose Weight and Never Find It Again. That would be very, very fun. Cool. And we'll include some links as well on the uh, on the show notes. We also have to give a little bit of a hello we'll to... A, we'll put a link to Google so people... Can yeah, <laughs> it's www.google.com or .co.uk. Um, but I just also wanted to say hello to Dan, who isn't with us today, and we haven't really explained that. Um, we haven't replaced him with Scott. He just couldn't he, make it. He didn't like Scott. Refused. <laughs> Come on. Not true. No, that's not He's true. really, really busy doing actual work. Scheduling conflicts and all that. Yeah, but he sends his love and regards and best wishes. Yeah, Dan is Dan is the ginger spice of this episode, but this episode only. What was this? No, he's the Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have you stopped recording yet? No, shall I stop? Yeah. Okay, bye everyone. Bye. See you next week. Bye.